What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. We are here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 211, after a bit of a hiatus, it's good to be back. Uh, had uh, a little bit of surgery, nothing nothing life-threatening, everything's all good. Needed some recovery time, and uh, was Ben was good enough to uh, work with me, and I uh, was able to do that, which is nice. Uh, yeah, we're going to get in some baseball today. Uh, we had said that the last couple episodes before we went away for a bit, and uh, a lot happened since uh, since we've been gone, including the entirety of the playoffs and the season ending and free agency beginning, technically. I mean, has it technically started yet? Um, Is it, like, so. open? I don't think teams, are actually, teams aren't actually signing yet. No, but, oh, but... no, they can. I just read something. I think, it, I think officially they can. All right, well, we are the most prepared podcast in all of sportsdom, so that's that's what you get right here with us. Because I should have known that before I said anything, and I didn't, which is great audio. Uh, we're also going to talk a little NFL, a little good, bad, and different. Uh, three takes from each of us on how the season's playing out. And uh, we're going to start off with some baseball. Uh, first off, the Texas Rangers won their first ever World Series. First World Series title in franchise history. Congratulations to them. A team that has had its up and downs, ups and downs, over the past couple decades, it seems, uh, and was finally able to put one in a win column for the World Series. A very good team. Uh, good pitching, good offense, uh, good to great, depending on the day or the pitcher they're facing. Um... Really impressed with how they took a lot of free agents and draft picks and kind of just formed that into a cohesive team and some really good-looking young players on that Rangers team. I don't know if they're going to go on a run and win like three out of five, four out of six, but they're going to be a contender for several years to come because they've spent the money and drafted well. Well, I think part of it is... Uh, and I don't know if you anyone saw. I, I did not watch it, but I, I just know on social media I saw a lot about how Nathan Evaldi had just a, a run in the postseason, which we we were well aware of his ability to go on a run. I think it was twenty eighteen. Oh yeah, when he went on yeah went on a run with us. So, I mean, when healthy, and he's he is on. He is like a stud starting pitcher. So. No surprise there, and like you said, they put up they put pieces together. Uh, Adonis Garcia, I think, had a that kid looks like a star, too. man. Well, here's the problem with Adonis Garcia, Chris, is I think he's believe I believe he's like 29, 30 years old. So, right, not so much of needs, a kid, but still looks good. He needs to cash in right now. Um, but I mean, the pieces they put middle infield, uh, what Simeon, I think Simeon Seeger are there in middle infield. Mm-hmm. They can bash the ball. So, a really good, like you said, good constructed team. They didn't win their division. They they had the wild card because uh, I'm guessing what looks like by percentage points or head to head, the Astros won the division. But I mean, they went through the they went through the um, NAL and then they went toe to toe with the Diamondbacks. Press the story for the Diamondbacks. We got to we give them. Oh, absolutely, yes, yeah. yeah. Really good story. story. Young team, they're building that thing. I was signing that kid, uh, what that Ahmad, uh, not uh, Carroll. They signed him to a long. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Cor- Carol, Corbin Carroll, I think his name is. Yes, yes, yes. 
uh, signed him to a long-term contract already before he barely even played any baseball uh, with the major league squad. But it's a it's a it's a good promising young core, and so this is where last year the Rangers um, season kind of started. So now we're essentially we're in a new season now. And we do have some high-profile pitcher uh, players. One, probably, arguably, uh, one of, if not the best, one of the best players in the game ever to step on the field. Kind of a unicorn. Um, yeah, yeah. One, Mr. Shohei Atani, and he will not be pitching this year, Chris. Dude, a unicorn. This dude's like Sasquatch coming in riding the unicorn. That's how rare somebody like him is, man. He is... He is special, but like you said, won't pitch this year due to Tommy John again, his second Tommy John, uh, which you know missed the entire season. And I still think he's going to get a healthy contract, but unfortunately for him, he's not going to get. I don't think he's going to get right now that mega deal that he thought he was going to get. Um. What, what do you think? How much do you think it's going to affect his actual contract amount not being able to pitch next season? Because he can come back and then, I mean, we see it all the time. Like the Rangers, the Rangers, the Rangers signed Jacob DeGrom in the offseason for all the good they did. They signed Jacob DeGrom, and I think he got hurt before uh, the season even started. If not, it was like the first game. And they still won the World Series. So, like, it happens all the time that players are signed and are not usable really for their first season, sometimes even more. It's more or less you're making a long term investment. So, do you think it's going to affect his overall price tag that much? The the, the issue comes where you have to project. Are you going to get that picture that he he was before? Yeah. Again, um, but you're not going to see that until 2024, uh, 2025. Sorry. So you have to be okay with your starting pitching to be okay and understand that he's going to contribute. He will contribute offensively because he is that kind of player where he just he goes out and rakes. And for a year, that's what he's going to focus on because he's not going to sit there and, and he's not going to be doing side sessions because that, that arm has to rest, that he cannot be pitching with that arm. Probably late in the season, maybe he'll start warming up, start that routine, but... You're going to get a focused Shohei Atane um, for most of the season offensively. And then you have to figure out what kind of pitcher he's going to be after that. Are you going to give him the starting pitch, a starting pitcher role, or do you feel like he's going to shift into the bullpen? Is that a possibility? I, I don't think. Because there's going to be suitors. There are going to be suitors left and right. Oh, yeah. I just think that that's going to drive the price tag up. Teams have been sitting back. We know we know one team who has just been sitting there doing absolutely nothing for the past few seasons because they want to reset that uh, luxury tax. So are, are the Dodgers going to go out and spend? Because they have Clayton coming off the books. Uh, plus, I, I don't know what else. Who else they have coming up? I know he's a big he's a big name coming off the books, and we'll see if he gets resigned. You know the Padres are gonna try to rework. Although there's rumors that there's 
a pending fire sale in San Diego, but I I don't I don't buy that yet. Yeah, um, I'm not believing that one until I see it. Obviously, what? No, exactly. Angels got to be in on it. Um, both both New York teams are going to be in on them. Boston's going to be in on them. Uh, am I missing any teams, Chris? That might be in on them. Um, it's gonna. Here's the thing. It's gonna be a team that has money to spend that already has kind of an established star base because he's not. Yeah, he's gonna make his money, but he wants to win. So I mean, I'd say maybe like a Houston would be interested. Um, but for the right dollars. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's it, it, he's not going to go for a bargain basement price. He's not going to get a discount unless he really, really wants to win and he figures he's the missing piece. Um, there's another piece that I haven't heard anybody talk about. Um, well, at least the effects of this happening. And I'm interested to see if you bring it up. Um, I'm going to wait a few more minutes to see if you do, because to me, it, it is a big deal. And I don't seem to be hearing anybody mentioning anything about it. Um, but he, Shohei has also said he's open to a high-dollar short-term deal. So he's not asking a franchise to give him 45 a year for the next 10 years. He's saying, yeah, give me 50 a year for three. I'll do that. Oh, like Korea? Yeah, exactly. Like I, I'll, I'll sign that, that big deal because I know, I know I'm the face of the league. I know I'm going to get endorsements out the ass. Uh, he's probably going to make $100 million just on endorsements. I mean, there's so many things he could do. You can make a Shohei Otani line of gloves, shoes, clothing, wear, and, and, and I mean, my God, people would eat it up wherever he goes. I mean, I'd consider buying a Shohei Otani jersey, and I don't, I'm not even a fan of, of the Angels or, you know, whatever team he's on unless he goes to Boston, which I, I, I'd love, but I don't see happening. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if, if I were him... I honestly would look into that short-term deal. And if you're a team, like you said, with a Correa deal, that doesn't necessarily have the money to pour in 8 to 10 years of 35, 40 plus million a year, you can probably make two or three years work for a high dollar amount if you want to bring this guy in if you feel you have the player. Like if Houston was like, we'll give you, we'll give you 105 for three, we'll give you 120 for three, yeah, it might make it a little bit difficult on them, but they're still going to be able to keep their stars. They're going to have him for three years, and it's it's not going to be a long-term. Even if it doesn't work out, eh, okay, it's a lot of money, but it's only a few years, and that's really the bigger deal is how long the money's on the books for. I, I, I think the philo- it's the philosophy that the Padres went into with, we're going to spend all this money because when playoff time comes around, we're going to make it back. Because essentially – the players get a playoff cut of money, not as much as their their um, contract. But a lot of that is, you know, the revenue coming from gates, concessions, you know, uh, uh, merchandise, all that stuff. Like once you get the postseason, like that's that's a plus. That's a added bonus. Plus, think of the Texas Rangers and the and the Arizona Diamondbacks. They could sit there and sell. You know, uh, Corbin Carroll jerseys or uh, Adonis Garcia jerseys with uh, World Series uh, uh, emblems on it, and that's that's like a right then and there. That's not you know something that's going to sit there for two, three, four years. That's going to be a, a one-time print through, and 
you can up the charge like that kind of that stuff that's that's the mindset you're going with chris is hey i'm gonna invest in you for three years because think of the honestly chris the arizona dimax does do come to mind like you have a team built you have a young core their their salary uh, their uh salary obligations are uh 74 million i believe right now if if they felt like giving show hey a three year 105 106 whatever it takes you know a short-term deal to get him to come to arizona for uh one productive offensive season and then one to two productive Shohei Atani seasons like that would be worth it that would be worth it I would think um but then you have the flip side where you were the San Diego Padres and you've spent all this money and how many playoff appearances do they have yeah yeah and now uh, there's I, 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 I tell you Chris I, I heard I've seen little tidbits here and there about the Padres they might be you know, they might have taken out some loans on paying some of these players. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know if it's true, but they may have taken some loans out to pay these players because they're they're investing the now because they're they're looking for the future towards the future. And we've seen it the past. What would you say, two, three years? Yeah, when yeah. They started like yeah. this. This all in hasn't really come to fruition. Dude, they are a classic case. We talk about it all the time of good pieces make great teams, not necessarily a bunch of stars. Look at the Rangers. You said earlier they signed um, uh, Marcus Seaman, uh, who you might go, you paid that much for him? Well, look what he's done. He had a great year. He's been great on that team. He fits in that team. He's a team player. They all, the the rookies, the veterans, the high price free agents, they made Texas made sure they got guys that would be able to work together and function as a team. They didn't go, oh, let's let's sell out our entire future for the possibility of, uh, you know, the possibility of, you know, winning for a year or two. Yeah, they spent a lot of money, but they also they did trade some pieces to get some players, but they didn't. They did a very, very nice balance, and it worked. Where San Diego was like, we're a borderline playoff team, so let's trade for four stars. And then they do worse the following season because they don't have that camaraderie. They don't have that team mentality. They have a bunch of stars. Like, Manny Machado? Anybody ever going to confuse him for a team player? Like, somebody who hustles and, like, loves the I mean, he love the game, but he certainly doesn't respect it from a, 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 a perspective of, like, playing it right. But they don't get on Manny Machado. They start on Fernando Tatis Jr., who's their young superstar who needs guidance. They get on him like they're going to trade him because he, you know, uh, did something that everybody did in the 90s. Um, it, it, it just goes to show you, like, a bunch of stars together collectively don't mean a damn thing if they don't have that team chemistry. Uh, now, I'm going to... I haven't. I didn't hear you bring it up, uh, so I'm, I'm going to say it. Uh, yeah. Shohei... Unless he is just done pitching, unless he just is like, you know what, two Tommy Johns, I'm going to get this surgery, I'm going to recover, and I'm just going to be an offensive player from this point forward, I do not see him signing with a National League team. Because what wasn't wasn't the DH uh, substitution only for one year, or is that a permanent thing? 
I thought it was permanent. I'm not sure, and I thought it was only a trial run. If it is only if it is permanent, then I forget what I'm about to say. But he doesn't field even when he when he plays offense. He just DHs. I think he might play the field if it's like interleague play and they want his bat in the game, maybe or like pinch hitting. But if his if he has to field the entire season while recovering from Tommy John and he wants to keep pitching, that's problematic. Because he obviously you're not going to be able to play the field and dive around and run around and make those throws if your elbow's recovering from major surgery. Like, I find it hard enough to believe he can actually swing the bat effectively when he's recovering. But whatever he can, I mean, I'm not going to doubt anything that guy can do until I see he can't do it. Is it permanent? Will you be able to find it? Uh, yeah, it's 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 part of the collective bargaining agreement. Oh, from all right. Well, twenty-two to twenty twenty. However, I will say it was part of the agreement for the collective bargaining agreement from twenty twenty-two to twenty twenty-six. So, that being said, you never know in twenty when twenty twenty-five comes up, and they they have to have these conversations, which I'm sure will go very very smoothly because that's how baseball goes. <laughs> um, it could be a shift, but I see your point. I do see your point, Chris. Um, but I, I, I just that that pitching aspect does raise his value tremendously. Oh yeah. And yeah. if if you sign him for a two year deal, like his his value is squarely on his offense. Whereas you sign him to a three four year deal. You may have to give more money. You're investing a lot more money. However, it, you may get your value back in his pitching, but it, it's it's a roll of the dice with, with Shohei. I think if you go with the mindset, this is what I'm going to get offensively from him, and if I get pitching from him, it's a plus. I'm going to get the offense production. I'm going to get the merch sale from him, uh, not just from in the United States, but also – in Japan. So I think you have to play that as a factor. And obviously he's going to, he's going to be want to be compensated um, for that because he knows his value. Uh, his value has been limited in, in uh, Anna, Anaheim, uh, Los Angeles because of the fact that he was posted and he had, well, he wasn't posted. He, uh, he just came in uh, as a rate, I guess, essentially a regular player in in the uh, Angels had to pony up some money to get his rights, but he hasn't been paid. Chris, he's earned forty two million o- over the past six seasons. Yeah, forty two, like that. Yeah. I, there's an argument he might get forty two per year, and he's so th- this is this is his shot. I don't know what his the, the the level of importance for monetary value and winning a championship. I don't know where that's at, but I can say if I'm Shohei, his representative, his family, they're gonna want a decent compensation for, for from a, from a team, and he is going to have. I think he's gonna have plenty of suitors. If you had one pick. One pick, one team. It can be any team. Really quick before we move on to the other big name free agent, where do you think Shohei Otani's playing start of next season? I would. 
it, it's going to be between, I think it's going to be between three teams. It's going to be uh, Dodgers, Red Sox, and Yankees. And I'm surprisingly going to lean towards the Red Sox only because of one thing. They have got to win their fan base back because I'm telling you right now. Yeah, it's ugly. It's Craig ugly Bres- right now. Craig Breslow is not the answer. Like he's not. He's not going to fix everything. He's not going to. You you as good as he's been. He's been. He, and this is not his like first year in the front office. He's been doing this for a few years, but trying to bring someone in who has familiarity with the fan base, who can identify him as a World Series champion. Isn't going to solve all your answer, all your problems. They just got Andrew Bailey as their pitching coach. Again, you're not going to bring someone in who's familiar with the fan base. Who I don't know if he won a World Series with us, but he was here for quite a few seasons, and he does have a track record as a pitching coach. He's not going to solve all the uh, resolve all the the questions that they have. So you need to go out there and you need to a sign sign some bats, sign some pitchers. And give Devers some support, and Brian Bello needs some support too, because this kid, I, I felt like he would. Those two guys were trying to carry the team, and they were trying to play. They were trying to do more than they they needed to, and they kind of did need to. But Brian Bello's not there yet, and Rafael Devers, you can pitch around because he has some holes in his swing. And if that's the only offensive force in your ro- lineup, pitch around him. So I think I think I would put it on the Red Sox. I'm actually I got a, I got a surprise team because I I think he does sign a short a shorter term deal for because I think as as much as I think teams want him and, and he's intriguing for all the reasons off and on the field, I think teams are concerned about the injury history with the arm and they don't want to pay a premium long term for something that may not be there. So doesn't mean nobody will. I might be off base here. I think you're gonna get a team. That's not necessarily big, big market that will spend money in the short term who is on the rise, who has a history with high-quality Japanese players. I think Otani goes to Seattle. I was, yeah, that's, what, that's what I was thinking when you said that. I'm like, oh, he's saying he's going to Seattle. Yeah, that uh, makes... I mean, it makes perfect sense. It's a pitcher-friendly park when he does pitch. Uh, you know, obviously both leagues have the DH now, but there's no chance if he decides to stay long-term, he's going to have to get disrupted because he's going to have to play the field or whatever. DH is going to be in American League forever. That's never going to change. And, I mean, it's it's the Pacific Northwest is a very high uh, concentration of folks from from Asian countries, uh, for whatever reason, I don't know, but it is, and he'd be very comfortable there. It'd be really playing to a fan base that has that star. That obviously he's different than Ichiro, but I mean, it's just it, it's there. It makes sense for a three three year. Have Seattle offer him three for one forty? Do they have that money necessarily? Sure, they do. Everybody has that money with the TV deal. It's short term too. Like I said earlier. No one's going to fault you. Even if it doesn't work out, no one's going to fault you long-term. People complain about 10-year bad deals, not two- or three-year bad deals. Because it's off the book so fast, nobody cares, really. And then to move on to the next one. Um, 
But I think he'd be a great fit. Obviously, you got one of the best young players in the game already there with Julio Rodriguez. I mean, uh, I don't even know. That, that kid's barely old enough to drink, and he's already a multiple-time All-Star. It's, it's insane. Uh, and, I mean, he's only going to get better. He's not going anywhere. And it won't really affect being able to sign him long-term. Because, but it, I mean, even if that's next season, it's going to be two or three years total where there's a lot of money in the books. So I think Seattle makes sense. Do I think he actually will go there? I don't know. There's so many variables right now, but it will be very interesting to see how things shake out over the next few weeks. Because I, I don't think Shohei's a guy who's going to be like Bryce Harper, where he's a free agent until spring training starts. I think he's going to get this out of the way sooner than later. He's going to get his offers. He's going to think about it. He's going to choose his team, and he's just going to head for next season, start recovering the elbow, working on the swing, getting back in the game shape, doing whatever he has to do. And uh, and, then, and then we'll know. Um, another guy, and I'm going to let you say the name because I have not been able to pronounce this guy's name correctly. Uh, You're going to put that on me. Uh, well, you did it way better than I could have. Uh, a Japanese pitcher, free agent. Um, supposedly, supposedly, uh, just about everybody who is needs a pitcher is in on this guy. Um, I think the money. I would prob- argue to say all thirty teams are probably in on him. Just, yeah, I mean that's. I mean anybody would take him, obviously, but I mean there's teams out there that probably aren't necessarily looking for starting pitching as much as other areas. Uh, because there's there's some teams that even though they want him, but realistically, it, it's not. It's going to cost a lot. Yeah, it's not it's not going to be yeah. a, 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 a normal, uh, you know. If you get a player from another country, so, you know, if if they're not, if you don't have a lot of fanfare coming into the season or coming into the league, a lot of times you get them on a lower end deal, and then once they show their talent, then it's a big deal. Uh, this isn't going to be the case with this guy. He's shown what he can do. He's an amazing pitcher. You were reading some of the stat lines before we started recording, and it's just absurd. And. Um, yeah, this kid coming in the league is is going to command a hefty price tag. Why don't you tell us more about Player X, Ben? Because uh, well, well, Player X is uh, Yashinubo Yamamoto, uh, pitcher, right-handed pitcher from Japan. He's played for multiple teams. I'll tell you, Chris, having a oh my god, there's no words for this. He had a 16 and six record last season in 23. Games with a one point one more one point two one ERA, which real quick and, not to cut you off, but like I said, goes to show he doesn't get blown up, he doesn't get destroyed. No. It was lack of run support because you don't have a one point one two ERA <laughs> if if you have a bad game at all. No, no, and and, and he had a what was it one hundred sixty nine strikeouts in one hundred sixty four innings with twenty eight walks in those one hundred sixty twenty eight walks. It's absurd. He gave up two home runs, and <laughs> and we kind of joke about how, you know, Japan's fields are a little bit smaller than than uh, Major League Baseball fields. What's well, not two really home runs a joke? Too. That's factual, isn't it? It's factual too. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's uh, really making fun of them. It's just just a statement of it, fact. It's just it's just com- it's a little comical that they're a little bit different, but hey, different places. But it, it's it's just ridiculous that he's only giving up two home runs. And the the numbers are off the train. Like that's just last year. Like this is not one year wonder. He's done this. I would say, Chris, 
he started to shift in 2020 where he just started to put numbers up. Uh, and he's 25. Tw- and he's 25. I think this is – I don't know the rules for when foreign players come in and how their contracts are structured because you look at uh, – Shohei, he kind of followed the normal process of what a t- typical drafted player uh, has to go through, arbitration, pre-arbitration. And then you look at Daisuke Matsuzaka, who we the Red Sox had to front a posting fee and then give him a contract. Um, same thing, I think the same thing was with uh, Ichiro Suzuki. So I think it's just a matter of his age is what the factor is. I think we're looking at more of a show, uh, a um, dice game at Suzaka situation where you're going to have to post and then you're going to have to give him a contract. And 25 years old, six, seven year contract, Chris, I could see him, you know, really a team reaching on bringing him in. I could. You're not, you're not going to have that, have that conversation like you had with Shohei where, he wants to hit and pitch. We don't have that situation this time. This is what can your market do for this player and what kind of team structure do you have and can you pay him enough? Dude, I I could, I, I, I could see the Mets. I was honestly, Chris, I was going to throw Seattle at you with this one. Huh, okay. Because that that makes more sense to me is because you're going to get a 25-year-old player He's there six, seven, maybe eight years. He's building that brand. You've already mentioned the the um, the region, how they've they've taken in Asian players and really kind of made them their own. Yeah, Ichiro's really embraced the prime it. Prime yeah. example. Intro is a ambassador for the uh, Seattle Mariners. You have Julio Rodriguez. You got multiple like that. The talent is there. Is there enough there for that pitcher to say, yes, you are an ace starting pitcher away from making a playoff run? I don't know. Mets make sense. Mets are just going to throw money. They're, they're just going to throw money. That's what they do. So they did last year, and then they traded away their two starting pitchers, and wouldn't you know it, uh, didn't they face each other in the uh, ALCS? They did, yep, they did, yep. <laughs> so funny, funny that they do result. They end both end up in a deep playoff run, but neither of them ended up with the Mets in a playoff run. Uh, but I just, I just, I think Yamamoto to Seattle makes sense. But realistically, I think we're gonna find the team that can pony up the most money for him is gonna be the team that that gets his services. That's what I. I that tends to be the the. Uh, answer to the question um so if the seattle owner wants to i don't know who it is right now but if he wants to do what the anaheim angels did and just pony up a large sum of money because that doesn't count towards your luxury tax it doesn't count towards your salary cap it doesn't count towards anything this is how much we're going to pay that um baseball japanese baseball team for the rights to sign their player what are you going to do? Because it's it's just a factor of return of investment. If I invest $50 million into 
getting the getting the rights to this player, which by the way, if you don't know, once you pay that posting fee, you have exclusive rights to sign with that, that team that player. That's that's it. You guys are locked in. You just gotta figure out the, the numbers. It's just an ownership it's a, basically it's an ownership situation at this point. Who wants to pay the most money? That's what it is. Here's here's the thing, especially being a pitcher, a starting pitcher. You had said maybe a six seven year deal. If he's twenty five, that brings him to thirty one, thirty two. And look, there's been uh, countless fantastic pitchers who have pitched to almost forty who are fine. But the, all these analytics that are, are are slowly slowly suffocating and ruining this game we love. Um, which even Rob Manfred's come out and said this is getting to be too much. All the openers and everything, so go figure. Uh, it's a dark day when I agree with Rob Manfred. I said it first. He agreed with me. Facts. Um, facts. Uh, it, it, you know, and contracts being so much higher than. I remember when, when wasn't Dice K like a. Like, they paid like a $50 million posting fee, and then it was like a, a five or six year deal for like $55 million or something. It was like around like $10 million a year, which is obviously like. For your everyday person, asinine money. But somewhere along the line, the TV deals all jumped, and then inflation, and then uh, advertising rights, and all this stuff. So now $10 million is like a mid-level reliever per year. It's not even like a star pitcher. So this kid's going to probably, realistically, do you think there's any chance he gets any less than 20 25 a year? No. No way. I don't. He's, I don't see him signing a six- or seven-year deal. I think he honestly goes and he signs for four, maybe five at the max because he wants to be on the on the, on, on the positive side of thirty, which is below thirty in, in, in sports terms. For his next contract, because he's obviously going to bet on himself. That's why he's coming to America. He knows he can do it in Japan. He's betting on himself. He's coming to the states. He's going to get a big. He's going to get a four year for. Four for one twenty, four for one fifty. He's gonna get something really, really big. It's gonna be a big contract, but it's four years. It's gonna be twenty nine by the time it's over with. On the right side of thirty, as they say, then he can go and sign a five or six year deal, front loaded. Like, well, actually, no, they're always a guarantee anyway, so I'm gonna front load on my football contracts. But then he can sign his big deal because people will know, hey, this kid's here to stay. It's been four years. If he doesn't have injury issues, if he's been consistent, if he's been good, going to get another mega contract. I see the Mets are just, like, they've said they, they have so much going on with their team, they don't even want to hire a GM this offseason because it's just mm. going to be so much shakeup in the front office. They hired a new team president, I believe, and the Mets owner is not afraid to spend money. And I can see them going, this is about as easy as it gets. 25-year-old stud pitcher, what do you want for a posting fee? What do you want for a contract? Welcome to New York for the next four years. I, I, and <laughs> look, I would say the Yankees were a possibility too, but Brian Cashman has decided to lose his mind and start saying everything that comes into his apparently tiny little pea brain. And a guy who used to be so quiet and kind of subdued, is like you can kind of see the strings starting to get cut away from his security in New York, and he's just like, I'm on my way out. I'm taking everyone with me. Like he goes and he like rips Giancarlo Stanton uh, for for injuries, which yeah, Giancarlo Stanton is ridiculously injury prone. The man doesn't want to be injured. The man wants to play. <laughs> he doesn't want to be hurt all the time. 
Hey, look, I'm defending a Yankee here, so that's saying something, or at least a former Yankee. Who knows where he signs? So Cashby goes and rips him for being injured, and essentially, like, you're not getting him for the whole season. You got to know that. Well, the problem is, Giancarlo Stanton's agent came out and uh, let him have it, pretty much. Like, this, this is a warning to anybody who wants to sign to New York. This is exactly how they think of their players. And he also happens to be the agent for previously discussed uh, Japanese incoming Japanese pitcher. So Cashman may have just shot himself on the foot there, uh, which is just fantastic. Uh, but I, I think he still ends up in New York. He goes to the Mets. Um, I mean, Seattle would be an option, obviously. That makes total sense. I said all the reasons for Otani. Obviously, I don't think they can sign both of them. Uh, but, I mean, Seattle would make sense. Anybody would really make sense if they have the money. Honestly, that's the kind of the thing with a kid like this is, like, he can pick where he wants to go. I mean, not literally because it has to be a posting thing with him and the team, but he can say, I'm sure the team's going to work with him and not just send him to a trash team because they paid the most. Like, he's going through the process correctly. He's being respectful. It's not like, oh, abandoning the team, whatever. Um, I don't know, man. I, I still say I, I find it hard to believe the Mets don't just say, here's a check, sign it, and get in the uniform. <laughs> like, that. That's that's just, <laughs> it's it's the easiest thing to do. It's the easiest thing. You don't even need you don't even need agents. Just have Steve call one call and be like, "Hey, what do you want?" All right, cool. Checks in the mail. Like that. That's and he has that kind of money. I think he's actually. I think he actually is the richest owner in baseball. Um, so finances aren't a problem. Young, young, uh, highly sought after player at one of the most important positions on the field. I. I don't think even the Dodgers are going to compete with that because they're starting to realize spending all that money doesn't re- doesn't equate to results unless you have a COVID shortened season. Uh, so I think they're going to start potentially being a little smarter with money too. Who knows? But um, yeah, I think it goes to the Mets. Yeah, I was just I was actually digging while you while you're talking. I was digging through to see if I could find kind of a what Daisuke was posted for, but I, it seems like. Um, uh, the way they're posting fee, and I don't want to get into it because I have to read more into it. But it seems like the posting fee since Daisuke has changed. It was, it's gonna be more current, uh, kind of similar to what Shohei is. So I think uh, they were tired of um, teams being able to just pay out uh, te- uh, the Japanese team. So it's kind of it's more of a percentage base of what the contract is worth. Um, but I will say. Uh, Daisuke, in kind of retrospect, Daisuke was a $103 million contract, but 51 of that went to the Japanese team, and 52 was a six-year deal Mm -hmm. for Daisuke. So um, I don't want to get into that part because as I dug deeper, I'm like, huh, there's a little bit. Kind of the structure is going to be more along the line of what we saw with Shohei, so. I still think the Mariners are on the table because of a they're they're moving up and b just the the atmosphere they have there with with players like Ichiro. Yeah. Um, but I think I personally think all thirty teams are on the table with this, so anything's possible. Very possible. Um, yep. You never know. But. 
Let's get into a little bit of uh, NFL before we get out of here. Let's do it. So, you uh, do like good, bad, ugly. Um, yeah. I think it can it can be either be a singular team or a top. It can really be anything. But you want to start? What do you want to start with? Good, bad, or ugly? I'm going to start with the good. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with the the, the, the Texans, man. Oh, God damn it. That, that team right there, I know. That's <laughs> good I thing. Know. I was going to take, I'll, I'll take you, somebody else then. I'll take someone else. I'll let you go. I'll let you go first with the bad because we might pick the same team on that one. Oh, yeah. uh, um, the Texans, I did say, was supreme talent, excellent pocket passer. He has all the tools. He makes all the you, passes. You kind of cut out there a little bit. I don't know if it's going to pick up in the recording. I want to say that again, just so people know. Yeah. Uh, I, I said uh, from the onset when he got drafted that uh, C.J. Stroud can make all the passes. Yep. Great pocket passer. Mm-hmm. There was no question about him there. It was more of... The the when a big game comes around, can he make the right play? That was the the key. That was the key against. He kind of part of that was he got kind of got suffocated by Michigan's defense past two seasons. Um, last year, he kind of proved it a little bit against Georgia. It came down to, and you could debate this one way or another: was there a pass interference on that last play in the end zone that would have put the Buckeyes on the goal line. Their kicker missed the kick that probably would have won the game. Hey, the wind blows the way it blows. The Bills could have like two Super Bowl rings if if a kick goes a certain way. So, um, as far as like looking at CJ, it, it <laughs> seems like he. <laughs> they don't. But they don't. Right. Um, but the, the way they're building this team, and, and you know. The Texans are are kind of slowly doing this the right way. They're they got their franchise quarterback. They know what he is. They they give him pieces. They've had some pieces. They're giving him pieces uh, to kind of build around. Uh, they made a bold move to move up in the draft after they selected CJ and got the third most talented player in the draft, or some would say the most talented in Will Anderson. I don't know what he's done, but. It's just a lot of good things are happening, and they're also in a division where it's very sketchy. That division is just sketchy. Um, Indianapolis lost their starting court, their young starting quarterback. Jacksonville is confusing, and the Titans, boy, they thought they had their answer, and then all of a sudden, Will Levis goes out and just throws up a an absolute stinker. I don't know if they won. Did they win last weekend or, or no? I don't Who's remember. That? The ten- Tennessee Titans. I don't, uh, I don't I believe so. No, I don't think so. But like like I said, um, I think this might have been one of my, my, my divisions in the early part. Yeah, they, they're 0-2 they're after that fantastic start by Will Lowell Levis. So uh, they really have their answer there. Um, <laughs> You're so bitter. But I, but I love I, it. It's great. I, I, look, I didn't like him coming out of the draft. And then he got usurped by Malik. Uh, uh, he, he usurped, I'm sorry, uh, Malik Willis. And now he's the answer. So Tannehill, there's no going back to Tannehill. There's no going on to Malik Willis. So Will Levis is the answer. I just didn't like him. There's nothing to like about him, really. But be that as it may, it's not my team. I don't care about him, really. So good luck to him. But I don't, I don't think he's going to be the answer. 
Um, and I'll spike the ball again when I'm right about this quarterback. But you can spike the ball, Chris, in front of me when I'm wrong about a quarterback. But Hey, man, I always um, give you credit when you're right. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll take the criticism when I'm wrong. And I'll stay. I kept going back and forth on Daniel Jones, but uh, I was right about him the first time. I should have yep. stuck my guns and stuck with that one. But um, I, I, I like where the Texans are. I like what they're building. I like where they're going. Domingo Ryan's is clearly building a team. Uh, he's not. He's not defensive centric, and I think that's the key: is that he's a defensive-minded coach. But you're looking at that offense. C.J. Stroud is just throwing it up, and he's not just. He's not just passing. He's doing a little bit of running, not a lot. And that was one issue he had in college: hey. is that sometimes he would not run when he needed to run. And he's running. So I think that's the good right there. Good on the Texans, man, before I get into my team. Um, drafted insanely well the last couple of years. You get rid of Watson, you figure the franchise is going to be in shambles. J.J. Watt, you know, moves on. And it's like, oh, man, everybody who is here just – that D'Amico Ryan's their coach, right? Yep. Yeah, former player. A very high-caliber player, too. Great player, D'Amico Ryan's, is now the coach of the team he played for, which is amazing. Uh, and, I mean, talk about, you know, you got Nico Collins and Tank Dell, two guys who look like really good young receivers. Schultz comes over from Dallas at tight end, looks really good, drafting well, good key free agents. Um, and just good on Stroud, man, coming into a situation where he was going to be compared to Watson on the field. I'm not even touching off the field. Uh, and he has done everything and then some to prove he was worth a high draft pick. And he is the future of the team. And this, if you're a Texans fan, you are justifiably very excited. If you're a fan of the, this team also, you are justifiably very excited. And this is a team I have buried ad nauseum, but I have been praising the last couple of years because they have been turning things around in a, a very big way. And that is my big surprise of this year for good is the Detroit Lions. The whoa, NFC whoa, North leading, which whoa. I did say. I did say when the season started and we guessed that the Lions would win the NFC North. I did say True. that. And I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna take my bow on that one. Because everybody thought when this team traded away Stafford for golf, they were mailing it in for draft picks, and all they've done is built a legitimate contender. Dan Campbell, as much as he looks like everyone's crazy uncle who has uh combat stories, <laughs> he is we got that team motivated. They have drafted well. They have made good trades. They trade away uh, right in the middle of the rebuild. They trade away uh, TJ Hawkinson in the Minnesota last year, and everybody goes, what the hell is this? They're a team that's rebuilding. Why'd they trade him? Oh, and then they draft Sam Laporta, who looks like he could be as good, if not better, uh, than Hawkinson. Anmara St. Brown is one of the most underrated offensive players in the game. Uh, David Montgomery was a nice pickup, along with Jameer Gibbs. Both those guys proved last weekend along that they can have very big offensive games, along with Jared Goff, who is no longer a puppet under Sean McVay, like we both accused him of being when he was with the Rams. He is a legitimate NFL starting quarterback. Good line, good defense that's getting better. That offense can score on anyone from anywhere on the field. And the Lions, if you're a Lions fan, you have a legitimate reason to be excited because this team is a contender. They are for real. I don't know if they're going to win anything or go anywhere this year. I'm not going to say, oh, they're going to be in the Super Bowl. 
But I will say this, crazier things have happened. This team has what it takes to get it done. Yeah, and I think I think you also have to applaud them too, Chris, on the fact that you took Jameer Gibbs top ten, which was insane. Yep. Insane. I don't know exactly his number, but it was insane for him to be drafted there. And then they trust me, Chris, uh, you know I'm on Michigan Twitter, right? Like that's my that's oh, my yeah. timeline yep. is is a lot of Michigan. So wouldn't you know it, a lot of the Michigan Twitter is also Detroit Lions. So trust me when I say this. Uh, during the draft and during the first, I would say, two, three weeks, it was, why did we draft Matt Laporta? Why did we draft um, the linebacker? I can't think of it at the top of my head. Um, why did we draft Jameer Gibbs? And then in the first few weeks, why are we not using Jameer Gibbs? Why did we sign David Montgomery? Why, why, why? And now all of a sudden it's really, really quiet on on all, a lot of that stuff. But I think you have to applaud – the Detroit Lions coaching staff on one, you drafted, you drafted this kid uh, Gibbs, but, and you signed Montgomery, but then you're like, well, this is our plan and we're sticking to this plan. And the only reason why they slightly deviated was because I think Montgomery was out for like a game or two. Yeah. And I think that's the only reason why they deviated. But once he came back, it's like, this is our plan. This this is what we're going to do because we want to use Jameer Gibbs, but we want to use him as this super utility knife, not pound the rock 16 times between the tackles, which you probably could do. But I think they're trying to treat him like like Alvin Kamara in his prime, like CMC. That's what you want to use him like, and that's what they're kind of trying to do. And you're starting to see that kind of effect on on – on the game with, with Jameer Gibbs. Now it's, is it always there? No, but I think once you, it's not, it's like Debo Samuel. Is he a threat to take the ball six every time? Absolutely. Yep. Is he going to do it every time? No, but the threat's there. So you have to, you have to register that in your head. And once they've established Jameer Gibbs as a, a, not only a threat in, in the running game, but he is the two, four, he's the fifth high fifth, fifth highest receiver uh, on the Detroit Lions. So he's running the ball. He's catching the ball. Gibbs was taken 12th overall. Thank you. All right. So I'm just outside the top. Still, uh, still high. Oh, I think, yeah. I don't believe. uh, And I don't think he was. I think he was the first running back taken. I can't think of who's supposed to be the off the top of my head. I know there was somebody that was more highly talented, but just not clicking in my head. Um, but I just got, I think you got to applaud them for sticking to a plan. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and kind of just leaning into that. Jared Goss, our quarterback, they did draft Hinden Hooker, but Hinden Hooker's still not back from ACL injury. So, like, they're really doing this the right way. And coincidentally, Chris, you're matching that with the Packers are having a down season because uh-huh. they're not. They're they're still figuring out their their quarterback situation, um, and Chicago. We can move on from Chicago at this point. Yeah. And then um, Minnesota lost their starting quarterback, Josh Dobbs. Who knows what he could do? But somebody tell him they're playing better without him. Right. So, 
it, it it's it's a prime opportunity for the Detroit Lions to say, not only can we win this year, we can kind of kind of grab hold of this division, maybe build this guy into sustainable. You know, it, not a ten year, fifteen year run, but at least a four or five year run where they can put their name on this division and say, yeah, this is ours. Even though I think they lost the Packers already this season, but it doesn't matter because the Detroit lions are seven and two and Packers are three and six. Yeah. And look, so. man, I mean, this is a team I've ridiculed them endlessly. <laughs> and I think rightfully so for bad choices. They, they chased two of the greats of all time, Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson to early retirement because they just did not want to play for a team that was not going to be competitive. The lions have long since been, Awful franchise that drafts poorly, makes bad decisions, and after reset after reset, that's all you can do is try again, and they finally found a formula that worked. And hats off to them. They are one of my favorite teams to watch. As much as I criticized them before, I give them just as much credit for turning it around. And they have... I When I see the Lions game on, I don't go, oh, God. I do that when I see a Patriots game now, honestly. Not when I... <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that, I'm yep. sure, before this segment's over. One of, one of us is going to pick. Um, quite honestly, I think we both are. So I think it can both be be just be our ugly, honestly, because yeah, I know that's where that I'm was going. where I was going to go. And there's really no uglier situation right now than what's happening there. Um, but I mean, hats off to the Lions, man. Um, excited to see them do well as a football fan. Excited for those fans. I know what it's like to be a fan of a bad team that turns it around. Uh, so and they went from. Seemingly, as far as everybody could tell, trading for Jared Goff just let the contract run out so they could get rid of Alpha Mundi the contract to this guy's still relatively young. They might re-sign him when it comes up, and he might be their quarterback of the future. They may have their team already. This is not a team in transition. This is the team, and this is the team that's going to compete. And good for them and good for those fans. And, um, yeah, let's, let's move on to the bad, though. Uh, you uh, you want to go ahead. first? No, you can go. Uh, uh, I already know what my ugly is, so you can go. Yeah, we both know what the ugly is. Want. Yeah, we both got that. Uh, my bad is uh, teams va- just vastly underperforming. Oh, you're going to pick it, aren't you? Vastly underperforming. Uh, and I-, I said it didn't have to be a team. It could be a topic. So it's going to kind of okay. cover some things. So the-, the two that I look at more than any teams in the NFL – is the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, yep, you picked one of them at least. Um, I mean, the Bills the Bills have been underperforming so badly that they fired their offensive coordinator after Monday's loss. Um, this is a team that, you know, Josh Allen's second year, we, I used to make the joke he couldn't hit water falling out of a boat. He, he got a bunch of work in. Um, right. I, I had said he was just destined to be Phillip Rivers, maybe nice stats, no wins. And then he comes out, or uh, championship, excuse me, not wins. Uh, he comes out, and, and year three is just a dynamo. I mean, just looks like he's reinvented the position. Year four, just as good. Gets a massive contract, keeps performing. However, he's not getting any better. Um, he's he's not he's not he hasn't gotten past where he was three years ago. If anything, he's regressed a little bit. And he's just getting older. And I know he's still a young player, but he's a young player yeah. that takes a lot of abuse and he th- puts his body through a lot. And that's going to wear down really, really, really quick if you're not careful. They said the other day I saw a stat. He's t- he, he has the lead for the most turnovers in like the last four years total. Josh Allen. Yeah. 
and this is a team that, I mean, the, the problem we have, obviously, look, the division opponents, we're going to be biased. I 100% admit that. But I also do have the ability to look at it overall as a football fan and go, wow, this team really screwed up. This team has a good coach, although I still think Bill Burr's doppelganger is, thinks he's a little better than he is. Um, and, you know, this team came, came out after they had a couple of good seasons and acted like they were the defending champs and you had to, everything had to go through them. And it's like, you haven't won anything, but they acted like they did. And not in a, hey, we have confidence, we have a swagger kind of way. In a, oh no, we're already the guys kind of thing. And they forgot there's a guy wearing 15 down in Kansas City who had other thoughts. Um, but I mean, it, they're disappointing. Um, more disappointing than I think the Bengals are because the Bengals, look, they had no success and then they had some success and they made it to the Super Bowl and everybody just thinks, oh, they're just a Super Bowl team now. Joe Burrow is an amazing quarterback. He's been doing better, uh, got his big contract, and but he was hurt in camp. I mean, he got hurt in yeah, camp. I think that's the got, biggest thing, yeah. And, and he didn't have – it took him several games to get back in, in, into shape to be able to play, and, and you can't – I never played professional football, but I would venture it's kind of a thing where you don't really get better unless you're actually on the field playing. You can practice all you want, but unless you get the reps in, it's not going to matter. Uh, that's why, you know – when a guy's going to start at quarterback, they get first-team reps because it matters. Uh, the rest of the team wasn't getting the reps with him. It took them some time to come around. They got back to the point where they are almost 500. Now they're 5-4. and four. They're last place in that division at 5-4. and four. I mean, so, mm-hmm. and the Ravens are 7-3. and three. I think the Bengals will be okay. I think they'll be a playoff team. Um, the Bills, I question, though. I don't know. I really don't. Right now, they're not in the playoffs. I don't think the Bengals are either, but I think the the Bengals, you can't look at the Browns game and say that's that's who they lost to last week, right? The Browns, I think? No. I have it right here. They lost, they lost to the Texans. Texans, that's what it was. Okay. By three. So you got, you got I mean, you got a, a exciting young quarterback of C.J. Stroud. Yeah, he had a game-winning – like, he like yeah. C.J. showed – that's why – the Texans were on my good. He he took that team and, and drove down the field. So he got, he forced that. He did what Joe Burrow kind of does. And Joe didn't have an opportunity, I assume. I didn't watch the game, but I heard about it. So I watched a good part yeah. of it on um on uh on the red zone. What I what I could see of it on red zone. And it was it, look, it, it it was a football game between a, a team that the Bengals a couple years ago were where the Texans are now. Good young quarterback turned the franchise around. Um, defense that is, you know, the Bengals defense isn't, look, they're good, but they're not great. The offense can be great. I think almost, I think there's almost too many big pieces on that offense. They kind of get in their own way sometimes. I don't think, I don't think there's room on that offense for Higgins and Chase. Honestly, I think Chase or Higgins. Chase ain't going nowhere. Chase is going to get re-signed. It's going to be him and Burrow until the end of time in, in, in Cincinnati. I think Higgins will be out the door, and you'll have Chase, and then a guy like Tyler Boyd, who's a fantastic receiver, but not quite the Chase caliber. And you have you have a pecking order. You're not going to have a guy who isn't the number one getting right. number one looks, taking you away from what can happen. It's like that offense is like – it's like when you're playing Madden and you sign a couple of big players, and then you go, well, we can't – make all these things work together effectively the way it should be. Like it worked one year when nobody expected it, but now 
Now we don't have it. Um, well, I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you a little context, Chris. Um, Jamar Chase has played two more games than uh, than um, than uh, T. Higgins, but Jamar's got ninety nine targets, and T. Higgins has fifty one. Right now, he did play two more games, and Joe, like we talked about, Joe was injured beginning of the season, but that's kind of indicative of what like, Tyler Boyd has more targets than T. Higgins. But again, two more games played because of taking Tegan's injury. But I think, I think, what I'm think, trying to get, I, think yeah. I think you're right, though. I think you're 100 percent right on this one. Something just isn't clicking with them. But I think I think they'll be okay in the long run. I if I'm a Bills fan, thank God I'm not. I'm a Bills fan. Uh, I'm worried. You already have you already have um uh a Trayvon Diggs coming out. And being like, oh, you got to get out of there, Stefan. It's not going perfect for you, so you got to get out of there now. And it's like you already got player. You know, there was already issues with Diggs in the preseason. Who knows what the real cause of that was? I don't want to speculate. Some say it was with the team. Some say it was a player. Some say it was nothing to do with it. Don't know. Whatever his reasons are, his reasons. Uh, but there's been issues, and this team hasn't actually won anything yet. Um, and they may not by the time. I mean, you're only going to be that top caliber elite team for so long. Like, Josh Allen, much as I thought he might have been a couple of years ago, Josh Allen's not Patrick Mahomes. But there's a reason Mahomes is a generational talent and he's special because Allen's good. He's very good. He's great at times. He's not elite. Elite is the top of the top. Elite is Patrick Mahomes. Allen is right there with those guys who are really good who just need some more help on their team, along guys like Justin Herbert. And by the way, I would take any of these guys as starting quarterback. I'm not saying it's only their fault, but the quarterback gets all the credit, and then you got to take the blame too. Yeah. So I mean, you got a team that hasn't done it, hasn't done it, and they're acting like they have, and it's it's it's, it's weird to watch. But um, yeah, I'd say it's underperforming teams is my bad. We really got to get going here. We're uh, already a little behind schedule, but what is your bad? My bad is just Buffalo in general. They're just, oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they were built on this team structure. And as we know, when the quarterback contract comes up, some pieces have to be sacrificed. Tremaine, Tremaine Edmonds uh, signed elsewhere. Uh, Matt Milano got injured. Mika Hyde has been a little bit in and out. Um, who's the other? I can't think of the other safety that they have. Uh, I can't think of him right now, but he's another uh, – Pretty good safety that isn't playing. Demar Hamlin hasn't stepped foot on the field, so who knows who knows what's going on with that. I saw the him play situation. Did he play? I saw him play on Monday. Okay, was he the twelfth guy on that? I don't know. I don't remember that. I, I, I thought know. that was just like a meme, but maybe he was. Um, but then you got Diggs' situation with him. Gabriel Davis hasn't performed as a, a admirable number two. Not like. It's just the contract of the team is flawed. They fired their OC, like you said, and I think they hope and pray that the Giants fire Dayball so Dayball can come back and save Josh Allen. I think it's, I think that's what they're hoping for. Yeah, and that might be too late for McDermott because if they don't win, their like this is supposed to be their time, and they're about to be upended by the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, who are good, but this was supposed to be J- 
Josh Allen's time. Not, exactly. Yep. Not Tua's time. Tua's was supposed to come in a few years. This is supposed to be Josh Allen. He's supposed to be combating Patrick Mahomes for the conference. And, and right now, it's that's not the case. There's a I, there is a scenario where I see Buffalo is not making the playoffs because the cent- the the North Division is four teams that are above 500, and the South has two teams above 500, and uh, the West is the West, but the North if North North Northville's two of the wild card spots at least one spot left because you're not I don't think they're meeting Miami. Um, it, it's 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 a bad situation Buffalo, and I think, like I said, after what was it like week two or week three, uh, the doors clo- the windows closed, the doors closed. This Super Bowl run, whatever 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 they pretend to call it, is over. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and now we'll move on to our ugly, and uh, there's no uglier situation that I can think of right now than what's going on in New England. I mean, the Giants are struggling, but. Like they have hope for the future in some in some aspects, aside from overpaying an under talented quarterback. Um, yeah, the Patriots are a mess from the ground, the ground up to top down. However you want to say it, they are a bad football team that doesn't have a clear. Usually, if you're a bad team, you have a clear area you need to focus on. This is a team that's probably a few years away from being competitive, honestly. Because it took a while to get to this point. Uh, bad drafting. Um, for the most part, questionable free agent signings and moves. Um, a lot of money in free agency coming up. A lot of, a lot of cap room for next season. Uh, probably a really high draft pick. Uh, I feel bad for some players on that team. Um, you know, I, I obviously think there's some really bright sides on the defensive side of the ball. Christian Gonzalez, for the little he played this year, shut down some really good receivers. I think he's a he's a star. Uh, you know, Matthew Judon, obviously we know what he can do, what he means to the defense. Um, and, you know, there's some other key players here. Duggar looks really good. I think you want to keep these guys and build around them. Offensive side of the ball, Demario Douglas, I'm really excited about him. We get, a, get an actual, like, consistent quarterback in with this kid. Could be great. Tyquan Thornton's our best receiver that never gets on the field. I I don't really know what this kid can do. We keep hearing what he can do, but he can't stay healthy. Uh, and then Keishon Butte, uh, which has he has a great name. Um, looked good week one, and then they just haven't seemed to trust him ever since. He couldn't do something that is a coachable thing. You can teach him. You can show him. You can have receivers work with him about getting his foot down in a game against Philly. But apparently they've, they've decided to just punish him to the end of time. And, um, you know, Mac, Mac's not the guy for this team. Uh, his confidence is already gone. Nobody, no, there's no belief in him. If he wants to salvage his career, he has to go elsewhere and start over. Wish him well, but I, I've been a Mac supporter since the day he was drafted. I remember being very excited about that. And he just, it's not there. Even when, even when the team around him is playing decent, which admittedly has been few and far between this year. He doesn't make good choices. I mean, that that last interception to close out the last game was just, I mean, come on, man. Stevie Wonder wouldn't have thrown into that kind of coverage. 
all he had to do was put another two or three feet of loft on it, and it's it's an easy touchdown in the tight end's hands. But he throws it right to the defender on the five-yard line. Um, I don't think... I think Belichick's going to be gone after this year. I don't think it's going to be firing. I think it's going to be either a trade to another team or a mutual parting of ways. It's to save face for the franchise and Bill. Um, and I thank him for everything he's done. And, you know, it's time for a fresh start. And um, hopefully with that high pick, we'd either take a quarterback or a Marvin Harrison Jr. Get a high, high, um, get a... A, a highly touted prospect at a skill position. Start rebuilding that line. Get some veteran receivers in there. They don't have to be superstars. Just get some veteran guys in there who can take some pressure off a young quarterback. And if we don't get a QB, we got to figure out what we're going to do about a position because Mac's not the answer. And I, I this team is just a mess. But I think the best thing to do for all parties involved is say bye to Mac part ways with Bill, bring in a GM separate from the head coach who has good history with drafting, let him be the guy, give him the keys to the car, bring in the coach, bring in a new quarterback, get a system in place, and start rebuilding this team. Because right now, all they're doing is regressing, and it 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 just seems like a comedy of errors. It's like watching the bad news bears out there. And... I'm fine with being a fan of a bad team. I've been a fan of a bad team before. The Bledsoe years were hit or miss. I loved Bledsoe. I loved that team. I have some very fond memories of watching that team because they were still exciting most of the time. There was still effort. They still tried. They still had fire. They still wanted to win. This team is dull. This team is slow. This team has no personality to speak of. They're not only the worst team in the NFL, they are the most boring team in the NFL. And... Keep some of the receivers. Hope we keep Kendrick Bourne. Love what Douglas is doing. I'd like to be able to keep the tight ends. Uh, and maybe you'll win you on the line. And Andrews, if he wants to play, and then rebuild the rest of the offense. Take Swallow the, take the hit on Parker. Cut Parker. I don't care. Cut Parker. If you told the, if you told the fan base at this point you were going to cut Parker and then divide the dead money for his contract... Uh, into the uh, the tickets for the upcoming season so it would be on the fans to pay it, I think we'd all pitch in. Just get rid of him. I was so excited when they got him. That guy is just dead weight. Juju is nothing anymore. He's not what he used to be. Patrick Mahomes made him look good last year. Uh, let's just move on from those guys and let's start bringing in some young, hungry players and coaches who want to perform and prove themselves because this team is old, tired, and stuck in their ways, and they have proven they do not want to change. Or I'd be six million in dead cap if they cut him. No problem. Next year, yeah. Somebody write him a check. They're gonna have it. So, so I'll uh, I'll I'll help you out a little bit, Chris. Um, Kayshawn Butte got on the field uh, twenty six snaps last game, which is a positive. Because um, I I wanted to see him on the field. I wanted to see him mm-hmm. before then, but you know, Bill had to punish him because he was excited that he was going to be tapped to play last game. And Bill said, uh, you're going to be inactive because you said you were going to play. The kid was excited that he was going to play yeah. and prove what even Bill said he had a good, a really good week of practice last week. Um, and this is not leading up to the Colts game is leading up to the previous one. Um, 
and he benched him and he and inactivated him because he was excited because he was going to get on the field. Yeah. Like, like what, what are so we doing? Logic, right? The kid was excited. He was excited. Yeah. He, he seems like he can contribute. He A positive um, influence on the offense. Uh, another piece for, for Mac to try to build a relationship with because uh, Juju in the last, I think, three games has had multiple offensive penalties – and these are pre-snap penalties, so that's a positive. Um, and like you said, Devontae Parker, I'm sorry he's injured because of his concussion, but he's proved nothing uh, except for the fact that when Mac shows him, Mac throws him a 50-50 ball, 50% of the time he catches it, the other 50% of the time it's an interception. Um, I would say look into the future, Chris. Uh, you're right about everything because – the 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 easiest thing you can do in the first round is just take a talented player, and what Bill has done the past few seasons, um, and we've tried to give him credit for it. We tried to, you know, hey, he's we've he's, tried so hard to playing, justify everything, right? He's playing chestnut checkers. Well, Kyle Cole Strange could have been had in uh, two rounds later. Yeah, Duggar could have been had a round or two later. So. You could have gotten yourself talented players, except you decided. Now, he made the right decision this year by drafting a talented corner, a proven talented corner. There are questions on whether he's going to tackle or not. I think he debunked those, you know, until he got injured. Um, but he, going forward, like, can we trust him with the second pick in the draft, the third pick in the draft to take, or is he just going to do what we think he's going to do? Hey, let's drop to number ten in the draft, right? And we'll pick a good player, not great player. When they're right now, they're lined up for number two or number three, and obviously they're going to fight with the Giants this week, or not this week, um, next week, uh, to see who you know has a, a worse team. I, I I hope they lose to the Giants, honestly, but unfortunately, the Giants might suck worse than us. Yeah, it's, it's a. That's that being be said, a, uh, that's not going to be a primetime showdown. Chris, I'll tell you what. Uh, what is, what my ideal plan is is draft Marvin Harrison Jr. wherever you're at. If you're at two or three, once you get to four, you might have a problem because he might not be there. But if you're at two or three, hell, even if you're at one, go with that, and then. If there's a quarterback in the second round to begin with, oh, well, you, th- you take him one overall. Think he's that good? Uh, I might, I might step back to number two if I can fleece a team for uh, fleece a team to get draft picks because they really, really want Caleb Williams or Drake May. Right. I might do that, but two, three, I'm taking Marvin Harrison, and then I'll look at the quarterbacks in the beginning of the second round. If I don't like it, I go to next year. And I see if Mac Mac Jones has anything left in the preseason and training camp to prove to me that with Marvin Harrison, with Keishon Butte, with Mario Douglas, and Tyquan Thornton, if he's still on the roster, if those four guys as your wide receivers and whatever tight end you want to throw in there are the answer. If not, Bailey Zappi has a chance. Will Greer has a chance. Or, Chris, honestly, we go into the draft next year with top two, three pick. Maybe Shador Sanders is not going in the draft this year. Maybe he's going next year. Yep. And there's your answer at quarterback. 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We'll definitely have more on this on the future. Um, but uh, anything else? Are you good? I'm all set. All right, that's going to do it for episode 211. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions on this episode, past episodes, or anything sports related at all, Ben and I'd love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's FBTTS Pod, Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports, or Instagram, Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports. And if you have not done so yet and you feel so inclined, please go wherever you download your favorite podcast, leave a rating, review, subscribe, and ask a friend to do the same. Greatly appreciate the support. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next time. Thank you.